Ireland? Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Trying to break this play up is Duncan Keith, and now he's down on the ice. Daniel to Henrik in front. Sato shoots. Um, I am uh, James Cole of, uh, I guess, of, of Laced Up a Pod. pod uh, <laughs> my turn this week. Jesus Christ. That was the worst intro I think I've ever heard on a podcast. Should we try it again or no? <laughs> Fuck it? Fuck, Fuck it. it. Yeah. Fuck okay. It. We're all. Yeah, who are you? I'm, I'm James Cole. I okay. got my name right. Did you? Okay. Yeah. That's good. I'm Brutes Battaglia from the north side. Um, yeah. That was a, that was a mess, but that's fine. Whatever. The whole the whole league's a mess, so it's it's rightful it? that we should be a mess okay. too. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. Happy uh, happy month till Christmas. Fuck yeah, that happened quick. Getting your shopping done yet? No, no. Haven't even thought about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I see your trees up. Mine's not. Trees so up. Yeah. You got me there. Well, I've thought about the Christmas season. Uh, I haven't even thought about who it is I'm I'm getting gifts for. Uh, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that my friend group does a Secret Santa every year, and the Secret Santa is gag gifts, and because there's 11 of us that have been very tight friends for about 15 years, uh, the the it gets a little gutty, so uh, that, yeah. that's good. Uh, I happen to have a friend this year that, I gotta tell you, freaking goldmine, um, so I almost have too many options and I'm scrambling already with a month and a bit to go until the actual party. Because uh, we don't celebrate it until the 28th is when we're doing our get-together this year. And I, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. If any of the ba- if any of the boys are listening, too, i got to mention, because uh, I keep putting it in the group chat, I'm getting nervous that someone's going to forget and, and schedule some sort of a conflict, because it happens every year. If any of the boys are listening, uh, by the way, the Christmas party is Saturday, December 28th at Mackey's house. Is where we're going. So try to remember that. Put it in your calendar right now. Saturday, December twenty eighth. And I guess if any fans of the podcast want to come out, Ooh. feel free. I don't. Nice. Know, I don't know. I don't care. It's not my house. Do you guys got enough guys for Secret Santa? Like, did you get that figured out? Uh... Yeah. So here's the thing: is someone in our group chat was like, "So how's Secret Santa going to work with eleven guys?" And we're like, "Well, the same way that it's worked for the last five years." And they're like, yeah, but shouldn't it be an even number? No. How do you think this works, bro? 
we explained it for about 20 minutes to friends of ours who, one of which is a paramedic, one of which uh, is a lawyer, and I'm sure the listeners of the podcast can deduce who I'm talking about here. Um, These are professionals that couldn't understand that Secret Santa is, you draw a name, you buy the person a gift. Every one person gets one name. You're not pairing off. It's just randomly distributed. Yeah. If there's five people, there's five gifts. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that if I buy you a gift that you're buying me the the gift. You know what I mean? Exactly. I don't think we've ever had that happen where one of the friends got one guy and that other guy got that other friend. Normally, we have all have someone different. So, I don't know how... They thought Secret Santa worked. They thought it was a pairing system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to explain it to these adults that own houses and are able to pay bills, and uh, one of them is engaged, that this is how Secret Santa works. Might want to pump the brakes on having any kids. Yeah, in, no, and in, that's in another thing. Yeah, I feel like that's on the horizon yeah. for one of them, Oof. so that's interesting. So, whatever. That's not um, what you want. Yeah, so, uh, long story short, uh, I have not bought any gifts because I've been busy explaining how uh, Christmas works to people. I see. Mm-hmm. So you are, in essence, some sort of expert when it comes to the season. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Should we open up some sort of some? Sort I think of that's mail-in... not. Even, I don't even think that that's a Christmas issue. That's more like a math issue. You know. You know how kids like write letters to Santa. Sure. Should we have our listeners write tweets to to brutes about you know how how do I get my girlfriend a gift and. Mm-hmm. How do we do Secret Santa? Yeah, that and... that's what I want more of, is more people trying to talk to me on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, okay. no, that I want more of that, for sure. That's a thing that I definitely love. Yeah. Alright, well, um, <laughs> considering uh, we're uh, about a, a, a getting close to a week past its uh, break, uh, we should probably get to the... Uh, the big elephant in the room. Yeah. The peanut in the sky. Yeah, we had meant to do an emergency episode last week, and then we kind of just forgot to, like, follow up with each other. We were like, hey, should we do this? And we're both like, yeah. And then we started talking about, like, what had happened, and then, uh... And I, then it was today. And then I, yeah, and then I didn't see you for, like, three days, so here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, as I'm sure anyone who would be listening to this hockey podcast has probably heard, because... What else is there to talk about in the world of hockey? Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs sort of thing. Yeah. They fired their coach. They fired Mike Babcock. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in Sheldon Keefe from the AHL. Um, and I think it's uh, it's safe to assume that there are uh, no surprised podcasters in this room. No. Um, the one injustice I think here is that... Uh, I don't have Don Cherry on television anymore to butcher Sheldon Keefe's name so I can replace my fantasy hockey team name with something different. Uh, because my fantasy hockey team has been named Mike Dad Bad Clock for about four years, and now I don't have Don Cherry to butcher Sheldon Keefe's name for a replacement name. I'm going to guess he would have called him Sheldon Keefe, but uh, I don't know that for sure. If you're that worried about it, I'm Shen told Delden? that uh, Don Cherry does have a podcast oh, you can check out. Fuck. I'm sure he's brought it up on there. Uh, Might heard, be worth it. Just heard it through anyone. the grapevine. Oh, God. Ooh. Now, how how's that going to work? Apparently his son's running it. Oh. And he just talks. God. 
does his son know how podcasts work? His son's got to be his, like 55. His son has worked for CBC for the better part of his life. Um, oh, so that scenes. explains a lot of... He worked there before Don did. That explains um, why maybe someone was yeah. still kicking around. Possibly. Yeah. I don't think his son was too high on the pecking order. But, no. Um, yeah, he just... He, he plugged that along. That was like the whole... Uh, the whole everyone thought that the president of CBC only hired Mark Lee to be a commentator there for like five, six years for Hockey Night in Canada because he was like the sister of the president of CBC or something. Okay. No, Mark Lee went to broadcasting school. He's a fucking yeah. announcer. He's yeah. fine. You think he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I thought he was good. Yeah. They always fire the ones I like. Yeah. So, speaking of firing the ones well, you like. Except for Don Cherry, I guess. Um, your, your thoughts uh, as, as we transition from, from uh, Mike Babcock to yeah. Sheldon Keefe. Uh, yeah. Was this uh, was this the right move at the right time? Was this the right move at the wrong time? Uh, wrong move? Well, sure, keep giving me options. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I I think it's the right move at the right time in a sense. Um, I I I think I, I think it's the right move at the last available time before it's things are too fucked up. Like, I think this had to happen, otherwise, we like, damage was going to be done to this team. Like, I don't think that the previous regime necessarily fucked up this roster, but I think if, if Mike had stuck around the rest of the year, I think there might have been irreparable damage to the morale and, and a lot of the structural nature of this team. Um, because the, the point is that the effort level was gone. And what was happening was the team was starting to form bad habits. And once they start forming bad habits, you know, those are things that you might not be able to coach them out of. And basically what I was finding was these good players were suddenly becoming not as good players on a nightly basis. Not just every once in a while where the coaching would restrict them. Like it was like shift by shift, you were noticing that you know, how come Tyson Berry doesn't go and skate this puck back and circle his own and try to keep possession? Or how come, you know, Austin Matthews isn't working too hard in the corners and things like that? It's because Austin Matthews isn't going to get any more ice time if he works his bag off. It doesn't really matter, apparently. He's going to play 16 minutes a night. Tyson Berry, what if he fucks up and loses the puck? Then he's not going to play for another 10 minutes. These players were afraid to make mistakes, and to me, that's a, a dangerous and a slippery slope way to coach. You know, I've coached that way before. It doesn't do anything to help build your team. It's not the way to get the most out of most people. It's the way. It's a way to get out of some out of some people. But you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. It was the wrong fit for this team. It had been for a while. And and going back to you know your question was at the right move at the right time the right time for me was april and you know i think i said that at the time i understand why you give him another opportunity i understand why you keep moving forward and you know like like we'll get into it in a in a, in a few minutes here but a lot of people were discussing the whole idea that you know it was first round exit after first round exit and you know, you kind of have to be careful the way that you approach the idea that Mike Babcock couldn't get this team out of the first round because I think that's a separate discussion. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some separate points to be had there. But what was very clear last year at the end of the season was that there is a fundamental difference in the way that Mike Babcock views this roster than the way that a lot of other people view it, including Kyle Dubas, including Brendan Shanahan. And 
you know, I, I, I think that this was a move that um, the writing was on the wall. And last Saturday night was the last straw when they lost 6-1 against Pittsburgh. I, I really have a hard time believing that um, that they hadn't made up their mind going into the Vegas game. I, 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 to me, I think that they were just trying to get their ducks in a row and have everything planned before they actually made that move. So rather than firing Mike on Saturday on Sunday morning and maybe having an interim coach on Tuesday, I think they actually thought, well, you know, he yeah. is better than nobody for the present. So let's get our ducks in a row. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Let's make sure Sheldon is 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 ready to go and wants to do this. Even you know there was who's to say he's got young kids. He's a younger guy. Maybe he doesn't want to coach Toronto Maple Leafs. They they don't know. Um, you know they want to deliver the message to Mike in a certain way because I don't you know Mike Babcock and the Toronto Maple Leafs parting ways is not best sent over a text message. Uh, that's best in person by Brendan Shanahan. So. Um, you know, to me, I think this was a move that was a long time coming. I was surprised when it happened, but on the other sense, I went through all day Sunday before we recorded last week, and I was kind of shocked that I hadn't got a notification that it had happened at like 11 o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of, in terms of the timing of, of last week, I thought it was kind of weird that he, again, this kind of goes back to your idea of better to have him than no one. But I remember Tuesday morning, like the the day he gets fired, and and Mike's out there running practice, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, well then that's that. Like there's there's no way that you don't fire him. Like you're not going to fire him if he's the guy running practice the next morning, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, what really gave it away for me anyway. I don't know if anyone else caught this, but uh, at the end of uh, practice, he does his you know regular media scrum, and he's talking about how John, uh, as in Tavares. And Doobie were coming down to Phoenix, and how John, you know, oh, I must be really missing the boys and all this. Mitch Marner, uh, no, Cal uh, Dubas. John John Tavares had gone home for a personal matter. Oh. on on Monday. Okay, and him and Cal Dubas were flying back to uh, Scottsdale on Tuesday morning, and I thought, Cal uh, Dubas flying down to Arizona in the middle of a road trip. That's that's one of two things, and as, as it turned out, that was. Uh, the beginning of the end, so to speak, and and it wasn't long after that we got the news that he was let go, and and subsequently that you know Sheldon Keefe would be taking over. Um, but uh, I, I I'm right there with you. I I think uh, April was the right time to do it. Um, and and even beyond that, I I think this season dragged on uh, far longer than it should have. Um, because I look at I look at how it ended in April. I look at the comments that followed. Uh, I look at what happened in the off season. Even uh, you know, you get rid of a couple of the assistants, you ship out some of the guys that you know Mike really loved, and Ron Hainsey and, and Zaitsev and Connor Brown. And to me, that kind of said like he's going to have to come out flying to start the season. Mm-hmm. And I think the Leafs had a decent start. Uh, I don't think it was by any stretch. You know, it wasn't it wasn't perfect. It wasn't impressive. Even they played very well. They played better than people give them credit for playing the first three weeks of the year, right. I think. Yeah. Um, they looked fine. I still didn't think it was enough, personally. Okay. Um, so, well, once that losing streak kind of reared its ugly head and you get into four, five, six losses in a row, to me, that's now we're kind of, we've, we've waited maybe too long. And I don't I don't wonder if it's too little yeah. too late at this point. 
in, in hockey, it's it's really hard for me to buy the argument that six losses in a row for a team with the the caliber of talent that Toronto has. Um, six losses in a row is not bad luck. Six losses in a row is is telling when you're a team of that yeah. talent level. You know, if Ottawa goes out and loses six games in a row, well, yeah, they're a team that's going to have to scrape and claw their way to a lot of wins. Um, you know, maybe and maybe even Ottawa is a bad example. Like Los Angeles would be, you know, a team like if they lose six in a row. Yeah, okay, they're a team that when they are going to win, they're only going to win by a goal or two. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, if you if you get fucked on a call or you hit a post at the wrong time. You know, sometimes you can lose six in a row. Sometimes it piles up. Toronto's not a team that should be talking about losing six games in a row. If they're putting together a, a streak of six, it should be wins, not losses. And that, yeah. that to me, was kind of the... This was kind of the moment where it was like, you know what, this isn't working. You, you always kind of wondered, maybe is this working? Maybe am I missing something? Maybe are we missing something? You know, I remember last year, a lot of people, a lot of people really quick to... Uh, second guess decisions that Mike Babcock makes on on Twitter, and you know I, I do find it a little interesting. I do think there is a little bit to be said about the whole never played the game argument. You know I understand the method behind a lot of Mike Babcock's decisions. I don't mean I'm not saying they are the right decision, but people are talking about well, where the hell is he? You know where like for example, what the hell is he doing putting the fourth line out there after a goal? Well, 12 years ago, that was the right response. Putting your skill guys out after a goal, it was a bad fucking move. Now it's the right move, because the game is all skill, the game is all speed. You don't want to put out big slow guys to fucking slow the game down after you get a goal, necessarily. To me, I understand why he, he would make a decision like that. Like, to, to me, that is that is the right move years ago. It's a dated way of looking at how to respond to a goal. And so a lot of people would say on Twitter, you know, why would you, like, who would ever do that? Well, every coach in the National Hockey League 12 years ago would do that. Every single one of them. No one would respond with a skill guy. Why? For what? To get fucking, to get the goal taken away that you just scored? Like, mm-hmm. that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. To me, I, I think his his coaching just got dated. Um, he has some growing to do, I think, to deal with the modern game. But on the other hand... I think if he had a roster that maybe, you know, complemented the way that he sees the game, maybe he does a little bit better. I don't know. But the way the Leafs are constructed, to me, is the way that they should be constructing their roster. Because every team continues to get faster, continues to get younger, continues to get more skill. So why the hell would we go away from that? Yeah. Like, what what indicator do you have that in five years the game's going to be bigger and slower again? Mm-hmm. There is no indicator. The game's been getting faster for 10 years. Scoring continues to go up the last few years. So this is the way you should plan. This is the type of team you should have. And and Mike Babcock doesn't see that way. You know, I wrote about it uh, in my article last week. I touched on the, the possibility of a coaching change. And, you know, I mentioned something that I believe Mike Babcock falls into, which is, like I called it, neutral shift fallacy. To me, Mike Babcock would rather tie a shift then lose or win a shift, you know, and he'd rather get through the shift without making a mistake, but he'll take the chance that, you know, they're not going to break the game wide open and get that extra goal. And in a lot of cases, that's a the decent way to approach hockey, but not at the NHL level. It, what that does is it takes trust away from the best players in the world that are on your team, that are on your roster. You know, if you're coaching the Leafs in 2015, 2016, it's the right way to coach the team. 
The best way to get through the game is to try to tie as many shifts as possible and hope for a break and hope for a goal. You know. But when you have Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, none of them are playing anywhere close to fucking over 18 minutes a night. What are we doing here? Mm. You know, what what are we actually doing here? Yeah. Uh, should be noted that uh, Mike Babcock was on pace with the Leafs this season to miss the playoffs for only the third time in his career. Um, there's a longevity factor here. You talk about his, his styles being dated and uh, maybe the game has changed to a, a point where, where he no longer has a place in it. Uh, but what I don't like is a lot of these uh, takes that have, have come out recently about how he's not a, he's not a successful coach mm. and he's never been a successful coach. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll admit, maybe he's overrated, but I still, That's don't, a possibility. I still don't think that means he's a bad no. coach. No. Because you like, look at the track record, you don't, you don't, you don't you, you know, luck yourself into 700 wins. The one that bugs me, though, is the Olympic takes. That's the one that bugs me. Because, like, you go in and, you know, you take a look at Canada's roster in 2010. They're probably the favorite. In 2014, yeah, they're the favorite. The way these tournaments are set up, if you lose one game, that, that could be it for you. Especially if it's in the medal rounds. And... Do you know how fucking easy it is to lose a hockey game when you're playing against some of the best players in the world? Pretty fucking easy. It's really easy for a couple mistakes to compound over 60 minutes and you can't find your way. Like, Canada in 2014 almost lost to Latvia. And it wasn't for a lack of playing well. It was because Christos Godlevskis made 56 fucking saves. Canada almost lost to Latvia that year. Because yeah. that's the nature of the game, man. Like, sometimes you're going to have those games where you play well, you do everything to win, except you don't get those bounces, the puck doesn't go in the net. To me, you you still need to coach the game well, you still need to play well, you still need to, you know, approach it with excellence. I, I'm not convinced that... I, I'm convinced that there are other coaches maybe that win him a gold medal, but... Especially in 2014, I thought they played absolutely flawless hockey, and it was because of the way that they chose to play, was they knew that they had enough offensive talent that if they bleed the life out of the offense of the other team, that they're going to eventually score their goals, and they're going to be able to win games 3-1, 3-0. And that's exactly what they did in 2014. I'm not so sure that if we go with a more offensive-minded coach, and P.K. Subban's on the team over whoever it was, Dan Ham, Hughes or something... I don't know that they win. Well, they maybe lose with Babcock too. Yeah, but I, I, I thought he coached that well. I thought he used the best players that he could to play the system that he wanted to play to win a tournament the the right way. And I think in 2014 they weren't, or 2010 they weren't as good. The goaltending was a little sketchier, but they got it done because of the way that they played. Because of the way that they were resilient through it out. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't buy the argument that Canada would have won regardless. Because they've lost on best-on-best best tournaments enough times. It happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think, like, uh, first of all, I'll You stack I'll up our World that... Junior team against all these other teams, you know, we lose more than we win. Well, I, 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 yeah, you're comparing kids to adults at that point, but, um... I look at like so. Mike, Mike Babcock's not picking the roster for Team Canada. I think that should. I, we we're not seeing Luke Glendening out there for Team Canada on the fourth line because Mike Bab 
uh, Cock needs to have his guy, you know, on the fourth line, out there shutting down, you know, USA. Well, I mean, he's not the only one picking the team, but he's picking the team as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I buy that, but like, I, I would, I would hope that the GMs pick the team and then they say, yeah, okay, you're going to be the coach. And you, you think that at an Olympic level, that the GM just says, here's your roster, and you're going to coach it. Well, the last time we allowed the coach to have input, we uh, lost in 98. And if you want to pull up that roster, uh, feel free because it was not pretty yeah. and left a lot of guys at home because a coach needed certain guys to play the tournament and they abandoned that philosophy not long after. Yeah, but they still go back to that. Like, it's not, you're not going to just, like, here's the roster deal with it like they don't do that at the nhl level they're certainly not going to do it at the olympic level um i, I don't know he okay uh, i i'm i'm debating you philosophically here but there was a selection committee and mike babcock was on it okay like he was involved in the process so okay. i know for a fact he was all right but continue. fair enough i i just i I don't know. I guess I feel differently about the international aspect of his of his coaching career. But um, that being said, like I, I'm not. I again, I don't. I don't like the the way that people are treating him. Like as if he's, you know, some guy that should be coaching in the ECHL. And you know, he's he's never been a good coach in the NHL. Well, yeah, he has. Uh, you know, he's he's had he's had some good rosters. That's not his fault. You know, that's. You know, you got a good players. You got good players. Every yeah, team has got good players. I mean, like here, here's another thing too. Like that kind of bugs me about that. Like kind of to go off your point too, is are you, are you telling me that all these players that Mike Babcock inherited when he went to Detroit were that fucking good when he got there? Lidstrom, yeah, Lidstrom was always real fucking good. Datsuk got a lot better once Mike Babcock came around. Zetterberg had to scratch and claw his way into the NHL and had to scratch and claw to keep his way there for years. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people, here's another thing too, is like a lot of people on Twitter bitch and moan and act like they're experts all the time. And then all of a sudden say like, was it like this in 2017? I don't remember watching a game that year. It's like, what are you talking? Like, who the fuck are you to have a fucking opinion then? Like, you know what I mean? You What have you, you watched, like, 110 hockey games in your life? Like, stop acting like you're an expert. There's a little bit of history. There's a little bit to understand. And, and you, you know, you can't look at Mike Babcock's career out of context. You have to look at certain things. To me, he improved a lot of players. He made a lot of guys' careers. Uh, to me. Sure. You know, yeah. or at least helped them. Yeah. Maybe they would have got, you know, I'm sure Pavel Datsuk would have been an NHL player without Mike Babcock. I don't know that he goes to that level though sure. without him yeah because there was a clear difference once mike babcock was his coach than before mm-hmm. yeah well there's there's many factors that go into it and i don't think we have time to break them all down but right. you're right like um he had an impact he did a, a lot of good things in you know everywhere he went and i'm sure he's gonna do some good things wherever he goes next like we we, we were sitting here and some of us are forgetting that three years ago uh, the Leafs were throwing uh, a roster of uh, guys that could barely uh, keep their job in the NHL mm-hmm. uh, in front of a, a Peter Horacek interim coach. And Mike Babcock did a lot of good things for this franchise. He, mm-hmm. he, let's let's let, oh, let's sure. not forget who's got the uh, career record for points in the season as a as a coach for the Maple Leafs. 
That, that's a that's an old franchise. That's yeah. a, that's a long standing oh, franchise. I, I don't I don't remember them looking as structured uh, as they did during the Mike Babcock era in probably the previous ten years. Mm-hmm. At any point, like even under Maurice, it wasn't quite to that level. Um, Maurice had some bad rosters, so that was you know that's kind of how I Plays look at factor. his time there. Sure. Um, Wilson did have some even fucking worse rosters. Carlisle had some decent rosters. Didn't really do anything with them. Um, I, I look at Randy Carlisle as... You know how people say that like players hate Mike Babcock? I look at Randy Carlisle as that same hatred, but without any hockey uh, structural teaching. Okay. Yes. Good. I don't know what goes on in his practices. I'd be interested. I'm sorry. Fair I, he's another guy I feel like I would get along with. If I, I could, if I could avoid talking about hockey, but if hockey came up, I he would, I'd pull all oh my boy, hair. Boy, Randy, out. I gotta get going. Yeah. You know, uh, but um, yeah. So he came in. He did. He, I think he was the right guy at the right time for this yeah. young core. I agree. And at some point, no one saw and, and, coming this way. You know, no, no one, no I, one saw him step in and said, "Okay, he's going to be great for that rebuilding team." But once they get competitive, I don't know what's going to happen there. No one said that. And that's kind of what happened there, right? Like, everyone was like, can Mike Babcock really coach a bad team? Like, can he lose without, like, losing his mind? And he was great that first year. Like, he was the right coach for that team. And as time went on, the team changed, the team grew, and I'm not so sure that he grew along with the team. Yeah. And that's the big problem. Oh, it is. And and that's the thing. Like, he... uh... I, I've, I've always considered coaching to be kind of a, an ebb and flow. Um, you bring in a guy that is well-structured and well-disciplined, and he, he gets you to a point, and then eventually you're not going to listen to the guy yelling at you anymore. Mm-hmm. And you bring in someone that you want to play for, and a guy that you get along with, and a guy that you love and would go through a brick wall for. And eventually... A Sheldon Keefe type. Yeah, and eventually you're going to stop going through brick walls if that guy can't take you to the next level yeah and you need someone to come in and yell at you again and the whole process starts over and that's really how i look at coaching in nhl is is these flows and certain players need it some 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 don't and you know there's there's outliers for everything but that's that's really how i, well, I think it, it works i i agree with you and one thing that you know people have always talked about paul maurice you know paul maurice is a guy that i think is largely underrated in terms of how good he's actually been in his NHL career. Uh, because he's coached a long time, he's had less big success than a Mike Babcock time, or a Mike Babcock type. But, you know, he's still done a really, really good job. And I've heard players of Paul Maurice defend him all the time. You hear it all the time, you don't hear it in Toronto, and maybe it's because players are not wanting to defend him, and maybe it's because players are choosing not to defend him because of the way the media is. Who knows what the reason is? But in Winnipeg, you know, you've heard Blake Wheeler say, I'd go through a brick wall for him. I heard, I think it was Nick Healers maybe said that it's his favorite coach he's ever had. Uh, Hellebuck said a similar thing. And one thing that I've heard about Paul Maurice is that Paul Maurice is a guy who takes a look at his roster. He looks, he's got 20 guys, and he doesn't look at... Uh, you know, how do we get this, you know, what's the best way to coach this group? He looks at every guy on that roster and says, what's the best way to get through to Nick Ehlers? What's the best way to get through to Blake Wheeler? What's the best way to get through to Brian Little? 
And he looks at everybody and says, you know, you have to take your time and kind of get through to them a certain way. Not every, not all 20 players are the same. And that's kind of the point you're saying, right? Is, is you know, you have these ebbs and flows of coaching. If you are able to take, take the time and put in the time and spend more individual you know, conversations with a guy, you're going to get through to them a little bit better. You know, that's something that, that I learned when I coached as well. You know, you need to be able to do that. And I think that that's something that maybe Babcock doesn't do is, you know, he comes in the group as a whole, he kind of treats them all the same way. This is the way it is and tries to build a culture that way. And Maurice is a little less controlling, I think, is more you know, this is what this guy needs, I think I'm going to have a conversation with him, I'm going to have a conversation with that guy, because you do probably have, on a team of 20 guys, two or three guys where you got to go in and kick them in the ass, and, and we yell at him and tell him to wake up, because you and I know, having watched Paul Maurice uh, closely, uh, he sure does like to yell, but it's a little bit different the way he does it, is all I'm saying. Yeah, um, so we, we go we go from Mike Babcock uh, in Toronto, Um to Mike Babcock where? I don't know. I mean, there, there, there's there's basically no way that this is the end. Like, he's going to have another opportunity somewhere. It's just a matter of, of when, where. Um, it's hard to say. Because, I mean, you asked me a month and a half ago, you know, are we going to get any coaches fired in the first, what was it? Before American Thanksgiving, before Canadian Thanksgiving, yeah. I said no to each. Yeah. And if you were to ask me who I thought was going to get fired, you know, I don't know who I said at the time, but coming into the year, I would have thought, you know, Blashill. I would have thought maybe John John Hines. Um, you know, if Philly or the Rangers got off to a catastrophic start, I could have seen Quinn or Vino, Vino quickly. You know what I mean? Um, John Cooper is another guy. But Mike Babcock was not a name that crossed my mind because I didn't think the Leafs could even be as bad as they were with Mike Babcock as the coach. And it just shows you how done they were with the same voice in the room. And it happens. You know, it's not to, it's, it's, I'm not blaming Mike Babcock, although I do believe that he was coaching the team in a negative way, in a, in a sense. Um, but, you know, We've all been there. Sometimes you need a new voice. Sometimes, you know, when I coached, it was, it was the same thing. You coached with me. And sometimes I would go and, and we'd be going into the room and I would tell you, hey, like, you know, I want to say this. Do you agree with this statement? And you would say yes. And Okay, can you go in and tell them that? Because if, if it comes from me, you know, I've already told them this. Mm-hmm. And to, to, I don't want to sound like a broken record. We, they need a different voice. They need it to hear it a different way. And, and that'll help. And I think it does. You know, and eventually the voice grows stale. You get hear, hearing the same fucking thing over and over again. Yeah. You know? Um, you mentioned uh, Blashill in Detroit. Uh, is that a possibility? Could we see Mike Babcock go back to Detroit? Steve Yarsman on the show? It wouldn't shock me. I mean, we we got to look at the list of teams here that can afford his services at this point, mm-hmm. based on the contract remaining with the Leafs. Um, yeah, and there are teams where I don't think Mike Babcock is an option for them. Yeah. I mean, like, a, you look at a team... Mind you, I think we could have said that about Florida and Joel Quinn. Well, and that's but... just it, right? Like, you know, I, I would maybe say that about Arizona, but Rick Tockett's doing a good job there. So, you know, you don't need to worry about that. Because another team, too, where you would think that they wouldn't put money into coaching either is the Islanders, and they gave Barry Trotz a big deal, and mm. uh, 
seems to have been a good idea because I yeah. don't know what the holy hell is going on with that team. But there's there's enough coaches that are you know I would say safe, and not enough that are uh, unsafe where they have a position that that they could be replaced by a Mike Babcock this season. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of you know you know like maybe Detroit. Um, I wonder if he doesn't coach the World Championships this year. Uh, go back to the international level mm-hmm. and, and try to maybe get some success back under his belt. Um, I know he likes going over to Europe, and there was discussion that maybe he's involved with the Spangler Cup team. Okay. And I, I think that would be cool. I would like to see that. Uh, it seems like something that he would probably like to do and probably something that he would have a lot of fun with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know he, he had fun in Toronto. I know he says he did, but it'd be a different kind of fun right. to go and do the Spangler Cup. You know, there's, there's not a lot of pressure on you. You can kind of go and just... Coach your way and have some fun and meet some new people, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then, of course, there's the uh, much uh, debated rumor circling around that he could be the guy in place to take over Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, a little too far away, perhaps? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, that's the thing, right, is I, I find it hard to believe he doesn't get offered a job before then, but one thing Mike Babcock has always done, and he said so himself, is, my, is bet on Mike Babcock. You know... He chose to go to Detroit. He he left Anaheim. He he chose to leave Anaheim, and he chose to go to Detroit. And at least as far as we know, he chose to leave Detroit, and he chose to go to Toronto. And, you know, he doesn't leave Toronto on his own terms, but I find it hard to believe that he's going to now start forcing himself to get back into a job before it's too late kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think he's willing to wait and, and wait for the right fit. I gotta tell you, man, I thought he did a pretty good job with the rebuilding Leafs, so it it does stand to reason that maybe a team like Seattle that's going to try and find their ground, you know, just even try to learn each other's names and shit like that the first few weeks, uh, Mike Babcock might be a good fit there. Yeah, you can't, can't hit each and other you if, you're, if you're hitting the coach kind of thing uh, in, yeah. in, in an expansion situation. Sure. Yeah. Um, so Sheldon Keefe is the new man. He's he's the boss. Sure. Um, Long documented about him and uh, Kyle Dubas and their history going back to the Sault Ste. Marie days. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was always kind of a, uh, a when, not if. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess the when is now. And uh, the uh, Keefe's Leafs are off to a 2-0 and start here. Uh, you, uh, I take it, feel it was the right guy? This was always the move. It was always the move. As soon as Dubas took over, you know, there was the discussion years ago um, with the previous regime that this similar thing was going to happen by a man who uh, you know the name of, and I know everyone listening to the podcast has never heard of, a guy named Steve Spot was going to be the Sheldon Keefe of the previous regime. And it never really got there. Uh, Steve Spot got onto his staff, didn't do a great job as assistant coach, got moved to a different, or went to a different franchise, didn't do so hot there. I don't know where he is now, but eventually, like there was a time where he was supposed to be the next coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he never got there. And you know, we heard that about Keith, and you know, you had to wonder if he was going to get there. Dubas got his opportunity, and you knew when that happened, it was a matter of time for Keith. I'm not going to lie, Keith taking over happened sooner than I thought it would initially. Um, but I also thought Keith was going to be coaching on October second uh when right. the Leafs started their year this year so um it's it's weird how everything went down but I think I think it's the right move I think he is the 
the epitome of the new age hockey player, which is that, you know, I'm not going to go out here and give you tons of, of X's and O's that you need to follow for 60 minutes. You know, you're going to get set plays, we're going to work on some things, but, you know, you're going to get more general ideas from Sheldon Keith rather than set systems, set rules. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the way the game is moving. I think, you know, what the best take I think I heard about Mike Babcock's time in Toronto was that it got to a point where I think the players were getting frustrated with him because he overcoached them. He overcoached. He wanted this when this happens. He wanted that when this happens, you know. And these are creative smart adults that can think for themselves and and you need to give them some credit here when they have ideas you got to be willing to listen to them you got to be willing to let them know that they can come to you and Keith has been very clear that that is the way he coaches you know if his players have an idea he's willing to hear it out and he might not agree with them and they might not go forward with it but they can come to him with suggestions and that's that's the way that a boss should be that's the way you want your boss to be is you want to feel valued you want to feel like your voice is heard you know not listened to you know what i mean like you want to feel heard yeah and to me that's the the whole shtick behind sheldon keith that's his whole philosophy and i think that that is the right fit for these leafs because um you know not a lot of them remind me of guys where it's you know head down fall in line you know maybe john Tavares. But aside from that, you know, Marner's got a lively personality. Matthews has, as much as he doesn't display it in front of the media, a lively personality. Morgan Riley is kind of like that. So, to me, this is the right fit. Yeah. Um, glancing at his uh, coaching record, which, like, let's let's be honest here, the guy's under Paul 40. Maurice had 18 ties in a season one year. Okay. <laughs> Still got his numbers up in front of me. <laughs> Um, it's crazy. Sheldon, who is, he actually is younger than Mike Babcock was. than Bet- Young Babcock. Sheldon. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, boy. Should I rename my fantasy team Young Sheldon? That's not bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Never um, seen an episode. Looking back at his, his all-too-brief uh, coaching uh, record, he, uh, unlike Mac- Mike Babcock, uh, gets out of the first round. Um, Sheldon Keefe hasn't lost in the first round of the playoffs since he took over midseason in 2013 for the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, since then, uh, four seasons with the Marlies, a couple more with the Greyhounds before coming up. Uh, this this is a young guy. This, this, he's he's fresh out of the game. He played the game. He was in the NHL, you know, albeit for a cup of coffee, but he was there. Um, well, uh, one thing that people don't understand, too, about Sheldon Keefe, I think, is Sheldon Keefe uh, arguably got pushed out of the game early because of his association with some potentially shady people at the time. And I don't really want to go too far in depth with it because I think it's kind of ridiculous to assume that, you know, that he's still involved in shady business at all or that he was in the first place, you know. Um but there was a good possibility that Keefe was going to have a longer career that kind of just got pushed short because people blackballed him a little bit. He had 37 goals in 38 games in his rookie year in the OHL. That's pretty good. Along with 37 assists. First round pick, second round pick. First round pick. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Sheldon Keefe, he's coming in. He takes over uh, after a very stellar uh 
career in the AHL. You know, you know what one take I had to laugh at too was the whole you know he well he's he's never he's never coached before he's got no NHL experience uh, as a coach and barely any as a player. Yeah, you know who didn't have NHL experience when he started fucking coaching? Uh, Mike Babcock. Never played nor coached the NHL when he started coaching in the NHL. You know every coach has to have a first job, right? Like, Bob Bugner didn't get hired in Florida having just, like, immaculately concepted a coaching job in the 90s or something like that. It didn't doesn't work that way. It's every Someone, like, some job's got to be your first job at some point, you know? S- Scotty Bowman uh, never played above A hockey in his life. Yeah. So. Yeah. Another, that's another thing I hear, like, people are talking about, like, Kyle Dubas never, probably doesn't even know how to skate. He's a triple-A hockey player. He had fucking concussion problems. He had to retire. Yeah. He might have been in the NHL. He never got there. He had to retire when he was 16. You're telling me Lou Lamorello played the game? No, oh, he did fuck. not. And, well, and if he did, it was with uh, horse manure as a puck and uh, tree logs as a stick. Back with Big Kings McClanaclan. Era. Yeah. A different era. Fetch the manure back out of the out of the snowbank. I've got games to win. Era. Run um, back into the field. See if any of the cows are making more pucks. Era. Uh, well noted. Uh, Sheldon Keith has already coached it's most of line. the guys. He was on a line with Stan Fischler. There you go. He's already coached most of the guys on the team. So this idea that you know he's never coached the NHL level. Um, yeah, the opponent's pace is gonna be a little different. But the guys under him, they know what they're getting into. They've been playing at this pace all season. You know who Sheldon Keefe reminds me of, in in a sense? Uh, John Cooper. Remember how John Cooper coached the AHL team and was ridiculously good in the AHL? And then, like, all of his players started leaving and going to the NHL. So they're like, hey, you know what? Let's fire our fucking coach, because he sucks. And let's bring our AHL guy up, because he's coached half the roster. And, you know, they haven't won a cup. But Tampa Bay has been considered one of the best teams in the league since John Cooper took over. So... This we've seen this path before. In fact, uh, the team that won the President's Trophy by a country mile last year had the coach that had the exact same path as Sheldon Keefe. Sheldon Keefe never went to law school. I think that's the only difference. No, oh, and he helps. looks he looks less like Michael Keaton, uh, more like who does Sheldon Keefe look like? Like a uh, actually, my boss told me that Sheldon Keefe kind of looks like a Matt a young Matt LeBlanc. I, Joey I from don't Friends. see Matt LeBlanc. No, maybe a maybe a distant cousin of Jeff O'Neill. Hmm. Let's let's pull it up here. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of Jeff O'Neill there. He looks like kind of if Jeff O'Neill and uh, Kyle Dubas had their DNA uh, uh, combined in a test tube, and then this is what the the kid looked like. I don't really want to think about that process, but I uh, I kind of get what you're going. Medically, with. I don't think that's how it works. He shares a birthday with Austin Matthews. That's neat. That um, neat. A couple quick things to wrap up the Babcock uh, out Keith in uh, storyline here. Um, some comments from ex players. Um, we'll start with Mike Commodore yeah. um, and Mark Frazier. Uh, if you're a Twitter hockey fan, like uh, we are. I don't know if fan is the right word, but we're on Hockey Twitter. Um, you probably had a hard time missing all 2,436 of Mike Commodore's tweets the day that Mike Babcock was fired. Well, I was fortunate not to see them because uh, unlike most people on Hockey Twitter, I have had Mike Commodore blocked for years, so mm-hmm. uh, I did not see it. Okay. 
I mean, um, I, I am aware of it now, but I didn't have to actually see it on my timeline. That's fair. I'll, I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it again for those that don't have it. Uh, this guy holds a grudge longer than he played in the league. Like, this, this, this is ridiculous. It is. You, you played for Mike Babcock 40 games six years ago? I've never been that mad at a boss before. Yeah, you that's kind of it's. It is a little creepy. It's really weird. Like it, it, it's to like I hated my boss at one of my jobs I had that I just recently quit within the last like year and a half, and oh well, no, I guess it was a year ago, and uh, like I gotta tell you, like I really don't like the guy. I think he's a shitty dude. I don't have anything good to say about the dude, but like if he gets fired from that job tomorrow, I'm not gonna like have someone take a picture of him cleaning out his desk so I can post it to Twitter. Or like, pop that's, a bottle of champagne. That's fucked. I don't care. A, you know, a like, I'd, I'd actually kind of feel bad, even though I think he's a douchebag and probably should be fired. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like to see anyone get fired unless they're, you know, maybe someone that's directly affecting my performance at work right then. Mm-hmm. But once I'm out of the job, what the hell do I care? Yeah, you know? no, exactly. Very weird. Very it's weird. weird. And he just wouldn't stop. It was all day long, tweet after tweet. Uh, again, today, actually, there was uh, today was the day that uh, Mike returned to Toronto and cleared yes. out his office. Oh, that was this morning that yeah. that picture came out. So, yeah. Commodore, again, he fires back up about all this. Uh, hooray, hooray, hurrah, hurrah, he's out. He's been fired, finally. See, like, I've never publicly really... I, I, like, I've never actually stated this on this podcast, but, like, I do... I, do, I don't really, like, the spit and chicklets crowd. I, I don't really care for Ryan and Whitney. I don't really care for uh, Paul Biznasty. I I think there definitely is a market for their podcast. I think they're actually crushing it within their market. But their market isn't me. Uh, I'm not their target audience, to sure. be honest with you. So it's fine. I don't resent their existence. What I do resent is people like my Commodore, whose shtick is kind of, I think, a little forced. I think my Commodore is... Like, I, I just... To me, like... I, I saw the tweet, like, eventually. Someone sent me a screenshot of it, and I, everyone's like, how hilarious is that? What what, what, what was funny about that rant? That mm-hmm. rant was sad. Yeah. That's, that rant was pathetic. Like, I, I, like, grow, like, find something else to do, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, find, find some shit to do. Start your own fucking podcast or something. Like, maybe he has one. I don't know. <laughs> like, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, like, find something to do to occupy your time because if this is really the most interesting thing to you like you're sitting around waiting for this to happen yeah like yeah yeah, you know for sure i was sitting around waiting for don cherry to get off the air too but like i wasn't dancing on his fucking grave last week it was just like yeah it was the right move should have been done yeah you know let's move on yeah exactly but like you know um now this one was weirder for me uh so so all this comes out with commodore and some people love it some people don't some people hate it And, and mark fraser Mm-hmm. steps up in defense of Mike Commodore on, on Twitter. And he starts going off about Babcock, mm-hmm. whom he never played for. Well, his tweet was based on, I think, something that a friend of his had told him, right? Okay. I, I, I don't exactly remember what he said. All I remember with the Fraser tweets was at least it was a, it was like a, um, you know, uh, there was thought put into the way the sentence was fucking formed. It wasn't just a bunch of nonsense like, Pack your shit! Get out of town, buddy! Coming for you, Jeep! Like, you know? Yeah. No, it was... It, like, to me, Mike, it was... Mark Fraser had actually formed a thought. Had actually put together some evidence of, like, you know, this is what happened. And, yeah. you know, he had no reason to... Like, he has no bias in that. He doesn't... 
love nor hate Babs because he never dealt with him. It was just more like, a, this is what I've heard. I've never heard a good thing about the guy. Uh, you know, I'm defending my Commodore because a lot of people are saying, like, maybe you're just bitter. I, I get I get where Mark Fraser was coming from. On the I, At the end of the day, you know, I don't know that Mark Fraser needed to step in, but... Um, yeah, it, it got really weird at the end, some, too. Something weird, was... too. I don't know. Just a side note. Mark Fraser only played 219 games. Yeah. I thought he was around for, like, 450 or so. Mm-mm. Just felt like he's in the league a lot I'm, longer. I'm glad, anyway. we're, I'm, not, I'm glad we're not playing over or under today. Yeah. Um, Nine years, but 219 games. That's crazy. Right out. Anyway. Uh, but it got really weird at the end there where he starts talking about how difficult it is to be a hockey player in yeah. the sports land. Like, yeah. Boo who? Yeah, I woe, guess. woe is fucking me for yeah, sure. Like, you had a great life traveling. Then don't play hockey. Like, Retire then if it's so uh, hard. Yeah, you don't my, like your coach? Like, go back to school and do something else. My coach yelled at me. I'm sad. It's the same like, as any career path. It's like, well, you know, I didn't go to school because I chose to play hockey. And, you know, like, what am I supposed to do now? Well, yeah. What if you go to school, pick a career, you work it for five years, and you fucking hate that too? It's the same as anything. You then you got to figure some other shit out. The difference is uh, when you uh, become a teacher and learn that you hate teaching, you don't have millions and millions of dollars put away because you only make like $60,000 a year to put up with fucking snot-nosed kids and, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Do hockey players not realize that everyone else has bosses too? Uh, we, no. We all have a boss? Yeah, and that maybe some of them are as condescending or more you know, like, disrespectful to you and shit like that. Like, I, I, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, finally... Not a Commodore, not a Commodore guy. Never been. That's fair. Not a fan. Uh, I haven't liked him since he played in the league. Finally, well-documented some of the comments that have been coming out from some of the Leaf players about how they felt about uh, Mike Babcock. Oh, by the way, uh, Mike Commodore uh, played 17 games for Mike Babcock, not 42. Half as many as I thought. Yeah, because he was scratched for the other 40, probably. Well, um... Yeah, so some of the comments have been coming out. Uh, no one ever wants to come out and flat out, you know, like you know, like Mike Commodore bash on anybody at this point. However, one uh, very disturbing story uh, was leaked uh, late uh, this evening, um, in which a story that goes back to the rookie year of the you know Matthews Marner uh, Nylander saga. So we're talking sixteen seventeen during the father's trip. Uh, it was alleged that Babcock had asked one of the Leafs' rookies to list all the players on the team, uh, from hardest working to uh, those who, in the eyes of the rookie, didn't have a strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, an odd request, but mm-hmm. possibly a learning moment, You know, something to, to teach this, this young uh, newcomer to the league. And yeah, for a moment, I'm like, why would the player do that? Yeah. I, I put myself in their shoes, and if like, a coach asked me to like do that, I would probably just look at him and be like, Okay. Okay. Yeah. So where is this going? Rookie said said rookie did this, um, and didn't really yeah, think like, much of it. Like the only part of that I would think is like maybe he wants to see where I rank myself sure. among this. I think and perfectly that'd be fine. interesting to do. Yeah. But don't fucking tell anyone what happened. You know what I mean? Don't and this tell is, anyone and this about is what it. happened. Like, he, he he then was taken aback when Babcock releases the list of the players in front of the entire dressing room. Um, this came out today. Uh, apparently, there's been some media guys in and around the Leafs that were sitting on the story, that knew about it, didn't want to bring it up while Babcock was the coach. So we've had uh, multiple sources kind of come in and confirm it. Uh, 
afterwards it was announced that it was Mitch Marner that was said rookie uh, that this happened to. Um, I like Mike Babcock, but I think that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's some sort of mental abuse that goes on with that, and um, I think if anybody did that in you know what what would what would be considered a normal job, mm-hmm. you would probably be fired within a day or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, um, the part of me that kind of wonders the validity of the story is is you know I find it hard to believe that that doesn't make its way up to Lou Lamorello at the time. And uh, if it does, I can definitely see Lou Lamorello not giving a shit. But uh, I can't see Brendan Shanahan letting that fly. So... Well, it then has to get from Lou to Brendan. uh, Well, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, the the line of communication could have been broken there. Sure. I just... I find it hard to believe that Shanahan doesn't find out about that. Um, I gotta tell you, man, I've heard a lot of shit about, you know, what's gone on behind closed doors. Not just in the Leafs, but like other members of the media at convenient times bringing up, like, you know, this is what I heard, and it's... I don't know, man. Like, that's one thing I think, like, the dressing room shit. I, I don't know who... who would have told you that that happened, and if they did, why sit on it? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's... it doesn't really add up, but I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just... I'm not really placing a lot of stock in it, is all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think it's been well documented uh, in other places uh, that Let, listen, the guy that wasn't loved. I, I know for a fact, for a fact, that there were people in that dressing room that didn't like Mike Babcock. Right. I don't need to tell you how I know that, but I have heard from essentially directly from the source mm-hmm. that that is true. But I'm not a hockey insider, so obviously I'm, you know, I'm not fucking... Reporting oh, this, not with that just, attitude. I know it's, I know it's true. Yeah, but I'm gonna doubt some of the stories that are gonna come out over the next few weeks because, oh. and that's one of them. It's just yeah. I can't, I can't even see a guy being so fucking insane, especially at that level of coaching, to think that that was gonna do anything. Hmm. But yeah, well, I that's something the, the in the prob- '60s. I think that people would have been like, yeah, that's fucked up. You know the the problem, I guess. Here, we'll, we'll probably never know. We're going to hear a lot of things that are true. We're going to hear a lot of things that aren't true. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's up to up up to us to kind of tread lightly here as, as we move forward. Uh, well, I will say just a comparison quickly uh, from that story to uh, something that did happen. Uh, Sheldon Keith tossed in a guy from Denver to play in Denver when they only play once in Denver. Um, so uh, I think that speaks to a lot about how Sheldon Keith sees what, the game. What happened? Uh, he he dressed Nick Shore uh, last night in Colorado. Because he's from Denver. Um, and that was it. He yeah. knew that they play once in Colorado, and I'm going to let the guy that's from Colorado play in Colorado, and and, and damn the analytics. You know, uh, you know, Nick Shore probably shouldn't have been playing. He scored a goal, so, you know, fantastic. There's something there. There's something that was woken up. He had a, a great game. He had a moment, uh, contributed to a win, and maybe that's the right call. Maybe there's something more than just, uh, you know, the sheet of paper in front of you all, all the time. But... Uh, uh, Perhaps he's a player's coach. Nick Shore is so. a tough example for me because I don't think he should be on the team anymore. Um, but I, I I hear the idea that you know maybe sometimes you have to try to throw a guy a bone and and you know what I mean to get them going and stuff like that. Um, you know I I'm not 
I am not as to to quickly go back to the Commodore thing. You know, Commodore's whole bit was always the scratching of Mike Medano in the 1500th, uh, so he couldn't play his 1500th game. And yes, that is a shitty thing to do. The other issue is that the Red Wings were trying to make the playoffs, and Mike Medano was not going to help them do that that night, probably. And like, I'm not a, I'm not as like scratching Spezza during the opener was a shitty move. Uh, if if you're trying to win a hockey game and that's the move you got to make, then sure. What I don't agree with was that Spezza was that far down the depth chart at the time. Like, sure. I think Spezza should have played because Spezza should have played. Not because Spezza, you know, because it would have been a nice moment for him. I'm not I'm not maybe as sentimental as other people are, but I understand why, you know, maybe dressing Spezza that night gets him going. You know, maybe dressing Shore on Saturday night gets him going. I, I do understand that aspect of it. Right. Um, but if you think that the risk of them maybe getting going, maybe not getting going is better left not risked and you, there's just someone who's just better than them you should play anyway, then by all fucking means, try to win the hockey game. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, regardless, it happened. Uh, it was a nice moment. Uh, it obviously yeah, worked out. Yeah, good for Nick Shore. It worked yeah, out for care. everybody. I don't so. really like him, but good for um, him. Yeah. As um, a player, I'm sure the dude is a great guy. But. Probably not. He's a hockey player. Okay. They're bullies, apparently. <laughs> They're all awful. Yeah. Um... We should probably shut up about the Leafs because not everyone likes the Leafs. So yeah, honestly, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. Even I don't care at this point. Now I'm pretty much done with that. So, um, do we have any? Do, are we able to go the rest of the the episode without mentioning the Leafs? What do you think? Yeah. Well, playoff. No, that's that. Uh, I yeah. I guess so. <laughs> no, probably not. Okay. Um, what we can't do is avoid uh, any local. Uh, uh, players coming up the rest of the way as Robert Bortuzzo's in a bit of hot water. Oh, gee. Local boy Robbie Bortuzzo. Yeah, Bobby this, this is going to be an interesting conversation, um, I think. What, what, I, like, I know you're leading the show here, but can I just start off by asking, Yeah. what, what did you think of that? Um, I guess for those who didn't see it, like Robert Bortuzzo, um, it kind of was a series of incidents in a way, although it's only going to, like, be talked about as one incident but the other night against the new york islanders uh robert bertuzzo was cross-checking brock nelson into the back while he was trying to like get up and keep playing and then like the next game they played the nashville predators and he cross-checked victor arvidson quite aggressively i would say into the net uh and then as arvidson was trying to stand up uh cross-checked him in the lower back uh where your kidneys would be um Quite yes. aggressively. A long way from the heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or is the heart a big thing that players seem to go after? Or? <laughs> I don't know what that comment even means. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Herb Brooks. You know, it's a long way from the heart. Was that a Herb Brooks quote? A bruise on the leg is a hell of a long way from the heart. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Legs feed the wolf. Um... We Sorry. should we should redo the movie commentary. You know what? It was a year ago, like this week, that we did the movie commentary. Yeah, for uh, Miracle, we got to set up Mystery Alaska. By the way, soon. Anyway, um, uh, was, there, was there a question in that? Yeah, what did you think of the whole Robert Bertuzzo thing? Um, what is your take? Because I I there were I haven't seen uh, the internet vary on an issue uh, quite to this extent since 
like probably fucking last week when Don Cherry got fired. Okay. Uh, I thought it was like in terms of I'll start off this way by saying I think the suspension is pretty bang on. Um, he's a guy that's been suspended in the past before. Um, for similar things, I believe too. Yep. Yeah. And this wasn't a head issue. This wasn't a situation where he went after a guy and took his head off. And we're talking about you know CTE and a concussion and and all the rest. So. Uh, in in the grand scope of you know how a hockey suspension should work, I, I think this was pretty much bang on four games. I see people calling for, well, he should be out as long as Arvidsson is, and no, yeah. that's not right. I mean, we have this debate. I feel like every year, right? Like Tom Wilson trying to kill Oscar Sundquist last year, and everyone's like, well, he shouldn't play till Sundquist comes back, and like, yeah, no, like the notion of that is is correct, but I mean, you know, if Tom Wilson. Say Oscar Sundquist didn't turn into a good player, um, yeah. Then just don't play him again, and then exactly. you don't have to. Then then the capital, like especially if it's a divisional thing, you know, like the Predators could just you know keep Arvidsson out if he were worse than Bertuzzo to keep Bertuzzo out if that were the case. Um, as much as I love Bobby Bortz, uh, he is not better than Victor Arvidsson, so that wouldn't be the case. But, like, you start opening up a really slippery exactly. slope, though, yeah. there, right? Like, it's just, it's not really fair to anyone to do it that way. Um, you know, I understand that an eye for an eye with that injured player, but that's not really the way, the way it works. No, and I don't think it should. Um, as far as what he did, I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty brutal. I um, had to watch it probably 30 times and think about it for a couple hours though until I realized how bad it was. Like I watched it and I'm like, okay, this happens every night all the time. Like that happens several times a game. I, I don't know. If and it does. then but th- this is what I'm saying. Then you kind of look at how far down the back he hits them. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like I started thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, like similar plays do happen every night, probably not as aggressively though. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because it was, it's a difference between hitting a guy in his middle to upper back, which also shouldn't happen, but, like, you know what I mean? It's not a suspendable thing to, like, keep cross-checking a guy while it's down. That shit happens all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference is that I don't think there's an intent to injure. You're just trying to keep the guy on the ground and literally just trying to be an asshole about it. Um, whereas, I think, I, I know better than to say Robert Bertuzzo was trying to seriously injure Victor Arvidsson, but it certainly seems that way when you watch the video, right? Yeah, and for me, I think the my biggest problem with it is that, okay, you, you hit the guy from behind, and it was a cross-check, and the ref's got you. And now Bertuzzo's going to look over at the ref and complain to the ref and bitch at the ref and he knows he's got a penalty, and he turns back around, and what does he do? Hits the guy again. Even mm-hmm. worse, probably. Probably worse the second time, if we're being honest. Well, the second time was worse for me. I, 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 the first the first hit was nothing for me, but that's... It, it was cross-checking. At, at the end of the day... Well, it's, that's, yeah, it was two-minute cross-checking. Right, that's that's yeah. cross-checking. No, like, the, the first hit, like... Uh, the only reason that that was, like, anything dangerous, because Arvidsson, like, may or may not have hit his head on the crossbar, I don't really remember. Um, it kind of looked like he might have. Other than that, that shit, that shit does happen every night. Um, it was the second cross-check where it was a lot more malicious, I thought. But you know what I mean? Like, you know you've been caught, 
you go into the box, you've you've decided to yell at the referee and, and state your case, and you think the next best move in this scenario is to do the same thing that got you the penalty but worse mm-hmm. to a guy? Like I just don't like I don't understand what the thought process was there. I, I I know we talk all about like the heat of the moment and all this, but I think the heat of the moment is you're yelling at the ref and you know what you've done has caused you to have a penalty. I don't understand how you how you take it another level. It's not that I'm going to defend it, but we are going to talk about Garnet Hathaway in a few minutes about him spitting at uh, Eric Goodbranson. And to me, that's something more where I think you know there was an argument, there was there was a uh, you know a fight uh, happening, and you know he was clearly worked up. And he made a, a, a decision that I think was in the heat of the moment and, um, you know, he was maybe out of control as far as his anger goes in that moment. Uh, nothing really had happened to provoke Robert Bertuzzo. I watched the shift, bef- like, leading into it. Mm-hmm. Now, Arvidsson didn't really do anything to provoke that anger. Bertuzzo just did it. You know what I mean? That's the difference is, like, the heat of the moment. Heat of moment's bullshit. Nothing fucking happened there. He literally just decided he was going to hit Arvidsson. And then what, he, he got mad because Arvidsson was, like, close to his goalie? Yeah, you put him there. What are you fucking mad about? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. To me, it, it's very disappointing because this is a guy that I do actively root for and, you know, have some personal ties to. And I don't really... I, I think it's garbage. I think there's no place for it in the game and uh, that he should fucking know better at this stage of his career because uh, if I'm being quite honest with you, Robert Bertuzzo has been very close to being out of the league for a long time and continues to claw his way back and good for him. But, I mean, you know, stuff like this is not going to help him in the long term. Uh, what are your thoughts on the suspension? <sighs> I would err on the side that it is light, but I understand why they are picking that number, and I'm not exactly, you know, it's not one of the ones where I'm furious and saying, like, you know, there should be more. I understand why it's only four, and I'm not necessarily sure that it should be four more than four, but it was pretty brutal. Yeah, it was for gutty. sure. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. No, it was again. I'm, I'm looking at it. People are calling for 20, 30 games, and I, I'm I kept watching it, and I'm like, I just don't get it. And I had to start thinking about it a different way, and you know what I mean, and looking at it in a different light. And I, I get it now, but it took me a long time to get there though, because mm-hmm. again, it's just the first twenty times it looks it looks like shit I see every night, and sure. then you have to keep watching it and thinking about it and. Yeah, okay, like, he could have done some serious spinal damage. I I, I guess he could have done some damage to his kidneys in that well, moment. Well, he's obviously, like, he's out for a few weeks. Yeah, so oh, but I mean, like, yeah. permanent, like, right. you know, shit, like, Arvidsson having issues with his kidneys for the rest of his life because of Robert fucking Bertuzzo is not, that's not fair. You know what I mean? That's not fair. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I wish the best for Victor Arvidsson. I like Victor Arvidsson a lot. You don't like to see any of this kind of shit happen. Especially you don't like it when some idiot loses their fucking cool in the middle of a game. But, um, you know, hmm. I, I, I think, unfortunately, the way that the discipline... I, like, I, I've said this before. I think player safety should have a much, much, you know, I guess... Uh, uh, they should have the ability 
to suspend players how they want to, not how they see fit. And I think there is a bit of a difference. To me, they should be able to throw 30 games at Bertuzzo for this, but that's not the way things work. He's going to appeal it. You're going to have, you know what I mean? Like, And it's going to get cut down, and that's just the way that these hearings are going to work, these appealing hearings. So there's not much they can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I say Bertuzzo should get spent, suspended for 30 games, I think there are several things a year that should get, like, 20, 30 games that get, like, five, right. three. Uh, Garnet Hathaway being another thing that I think should be getting a fucking much larger number. But for me to sit here and say Garnet Hathaway gets three games and Bertuzzo gets four and Hathaway should get more than Bertuzzo, well, no. Hathaway should get a lot, not as much as Bertuzzo. So, you know, how do you kind of measure, though? It's just, it's tough. I'm not saying that the Department of Player Safety is an easy job. Uh, Sometimes I think it is easier uh, than they make it. But these were some tough calls this week, I think. Yeah. So the, you, you've talked about it now a couple times the Garner Hathaway incident. Yeah, Garner Hathaway spit on Eric Branson. It's yeah. disgusting. It's brutal. Um, There's no place for it in the game. It's 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 ridiculous. Three game suspension for him. Yeah. Um, Which again, relative relative to Bertuzzo, that's fair. Sure. Three three is three is probably fair. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you know uh, that's assault. Okay, that's assault, now, brother. Now he, I, I heard an interesting question. Billy Madison posed. Uh, I'll ask you the same question. This is from another podcast. Um, Which podcast? I'll, I'll answer that after I, I pose the question. Nice. You're in a back alley. A, a shady looking figure appears at the end of the alley and comes up to you. Would you rather get spit on or punched in the face? Probably spit on. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, that frame of mind being what it is, um, I'm not going to sit here and condone spitting on a guy because I think that's pretty ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I think think it's obviously very classless. It's uh, it's disgusting. (laughs) At the end of the day, (laughs) let's call it what it is. It's disgusting. But... uh, Well, I should should clarify why I said spitting. Okay. Uh, Because I know getting punched in the face, I know me, I'm going to punch back, and there's a much larger chance that this guy in the alley is going to kill me in a fight than the hepatitis C likelihood that he has uh, will kill me. Okay. So I'll I'll, I'll gamble and and take the potential hepatitis over the definite me getting my ass kicked in an alley with no witnesses. Sure. Now... Can, can I can I ask then why it's it's is it kind of weird that we allow people to get punched in the face and it's not a problem? No, no, it is weird, but it's weird for like a, a kind of a different reason. I think is it weird that we suspend a guy for delivering spit via the wind and we don't suspend a guy for delivering same spit via the tongue, a la Brad Marchand? Oh the- no, for sure. Yeah, no, like, I'm, I'm, but, but that's, that's the thing for me, is, like, just because Marshawn didn't get suspended, I don't think it's fair to say that Garnet Hathaway shouldn't get suspended oh, either. Definitely. Like, Marshawn should have gotten suspended. In my opinion, Brad Marshawn should have been kicked out of the NHL by now. Like, this is, this is where we're going back to, is, like, the, the Department of Player Safety should have a little bit more. Like, that guy has done so much shit that I don't believe that his skills as a hockey player outweighs the negative shit that he's brought to the game. I think he's tarnished the Boston Bruins' reputation uh, irreparable for years. But that's just my opinion. Mm. Now, going back to what I'm saying, 
is I think Marshawn should have been suspended. He wasn't. I think Hathaway should be suspended. He was. Right. But that doesn't make the Hathaway suspension wrong um, because Marshawn didn't get it. You know what I mean? Two two wrongs don't make a right. Right. And I know that's not necessarily what you're saying, but to me... Um, you know, yeah, Marshawn, Marshawn should have gotten probably 15 games both times he did it because the guy has done so much despicable shit that he should be like automatic throws a hit that would maybe get a guy a fine should probably get him 10 games at this point. Yeah. He should not be playing uh, the game a certain way anymore, but the NHL is letting him go a certain way. I'm not in that uh, seat to say there are people that know a lot more about this than I do. So therefore I'm not saying that my thought is right. This is just the way I see it. Uh, to me, Hathaway should get a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard, again, Garner Hathaway's a good guy and would never do that kind of thing. And, you know, if he does, like, it was in the heat of the moment. And he doesn't, you know, he wouldn't do it that, like, you know, he wouldn't do it like that. And, well, he did it. That is the way it is. It's the same thing with Bertuzzo. I know Bertuzzo's a nice guy. Off the ice, he's a very nice guy. But he did some despicable shit on the ice and needs to pay for it. And... So goes the same thing for Hathaway. Yeah. Now, not to excuse what ha- happened with Hathaway here. That's I'm I agree. Like this is something that shouldn't be happening in the game. Um, I was pretty upset to see how the whole thing unfolded. Um, you've got a linesman holding Garnet Hathaway back, and he takes not one. But two punches to the face from Eric. No, like like that whole scrum was a mess. Like the that whole like that's another thing. Like we could talk we could talk a lot longer. I think about what actually happened and break down that scrum. Um, but like we don't we don't have time for that. So, um, but yeah, that whole scrum led to a guy being like, well, I guess right. anything's fucking fair game. And he was so pissed off that he probably like probably so pissed off to the point that he probably barely remembers even doing it. Because he was in such a fucking blind rage. I get it. I get that. It's just, you know, even in a blind rage, like, there isn't a part of my brain that would be like, yeah, spit on the dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? The the fact that that's even a thing that, like, there is a part of him that's willing to do that, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. No, it it is weird. Uh, It's weird that we're uh, we're talking about it and we wouldn't be if he punched... Brands in the face. No, I agree with that. Uh, I that's, agree. That's just kind of where we're at. But this, like, this um, goes back to something I can't remember what exactly I was talking about last week. But this is another example of something that is completely fucking archaic. And if you were on the outside of our sport looking into some of the shit that goes on, it's bizarre. Yeah. Like this is this is absolute caveman garbage. You know what I mean? And 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 this shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be punching dudes in the face. You definitely shouldn't be spitting on their mm. uh, spitting on them. Uh, to his credit, uh, he uh, Hathaway did seem rather remorseful post game. Um, he, I think, he genuinely, you know, was upset that he went that far yeah, uh, in, in the moment. He seemed really upset about it, actually. And um, I, I, I just got to add this because I found it absolutely fucking hilarious um, when uh, asked about how he felt about the suspension. Uh, he said it was hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. So nice little bow on that. Yeah, um, for what it's worth, uh, Garnet Hathaway, uh, um, uh, had a nice little exchange with, uh, with a young fan at practice the other day, and seems like he's trying to, uh, make right in the community at the moment, and, uh, spending some time with some fans, his kid made him a, uh, a cake, and a sign that said, happy birthday, Garnet, and went to the practice and, uh, gave him the cake, and Garnet spent some time with the young fella. Kind of a nice moment. Maybe the kid's spitting the cake. 
That'd be cool. That'd be pretty cool. Um... <laughs> I mean, who hasn't made a cake for someone and spit in it? You ever seen The Help? Well, they do something else to the cake, but it isn't, it isn't spit, that's I, for sure. I've heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Remember that eight-year-old movie that won a bunch of Oscars? Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys that can no longer spit it in the NHL, Corey Schneider... I don't know if that worked. Corey Schneider got waived. Okay. He's no longer spitting in the NHL. I, get, I don't know. Um, he's gone. He's out of here. He's toast. He's finished. Bye-bye. Is he finished? Probably. Well, until that contract expires, he's finished. Which is what, like 2048 or something like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, Louis Debing, I, I believe he was called up. Who? Yeah, Louis Debing. Oh. And um, again, I thought you said Louis Debing, and I thought you were trying to say Louis DeBrusque. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, I guess, is going to be the guy in New Jersey. Um, two two more seasons for Schneider. Yeah, twenty twenty two. It's not a real year. See um, you in Seattle. I don't even think Seattle wants him. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the end of a very confusing, long story that is Corey Schneider, hmm. uh, a guy that uh, had a lot of promise, a lot of potential, got stuck between two Hall of Famers, and and now he's he's out of the league. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he could be back. You're right. Uh, when that contract ends, uh, he might find himself. Sh- in Schneider had some time where he was, you know, incredible in New Jersey uh, after Broder had moved on. But I get what you're saying in the sense that you know Corey Schneider's played 402 NHL games at this point, and in reality, given the skill level that he was at, it probably could be closer to 500. Sure. You know, and, and that's kind of, you know, that hopefully isn't the end of Corey Schneider. because But but you're right, like, he is a bizarre story because he's 33 years old and we're still kind of waiting for Corey Schneider's true potential. You know, and he, he's someone who, unfortunately, I I think is going to go down as, as one of the more underrated goaltenders in the history of the NHL. Underutilized, um, for sure. Underutilized, perhaps, as well. I mean, you there's know, still I, time. I don't, but, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say he was better a better option than Luongo in Vancouver but they never really gave him a fair shot you can't throw the guy in game five of a playoff round and expect him to dig you out of the hole I mean the thing is is Corey Schneider has been so bad so bad the last four years his career save percentage is still 918 yeah like he he Uh, has some really good fucking numbers like 33 games in 2011 2012 for Vancouver he was a 936 even for 33 games, that is hard to do. Yeah. You know? No, definitely. Like, that's better than Binnington, for God's sakes. Winnington, you mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Corey Schneider for now, out of the NHL. We'll see uh, maybe what what the saga holds in the future. If he can come back, if he uh, goes uh, overseas, perhaps. If he just kind of calls it a career. Or if he just wants to stick it out in the AHL and collect his cool $6 million for the New Jersey Devils. Hmm. So, okay. Well, um, do you do you think um, do you think at any point some team's gonna make a decision to to try to to fish him out of the minors or anything like that and take a take a risk on him? I don't think so. No, not the way teams spend to the cap. Not the way goaltending works in this league. I I just I don't I don't see it being a. Could you see a team like Carolina perhaps uh, 
you know, maybe moving some cap around, taking that risk there for someone who maybe gives them that benefit or no? I just don't see why. Like, I, I don't see what the upside is for Carolina yeah. there. Um, okay. at, at best, yeah, you get Corey Schneider uh, at what maybe he is or, you know, could have been. Because I, I think that's another problem is that he's 33. Yeah. He's not going to be what he was. You're right. Um, and for $6.5 million, I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely, if, if, if we get down the road and someone wants to take a shot on 35-year-old Corey Schneider for league minimum, let's go. I don't see why not. Buckle up. I'm yeah. in. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I Bye. do like the dude. So yeah. uh, hopefully someone takes an opportunity on him, you know, and, and will fish his contract out of the minors. But speaking of fishing, uh, this week's sponsor is Airedale Fly-In Fishing and Hunting. I really hope uh, Airedale didn't turn the podcast off during all the leaf talk. And yeah, no, no, that was a thing. I, I've been trying to work this ad in for about twenty minutes now. But uh, Mike Babcock spends all summer fishing. Yeah, that would have been a good, uh, an easy transition. Airedale. This is the latest. I think we've done an ad into the episode is an hour and ten minutes. Like in reality, we should probably just re-record this and do it at the top of the episode. But uh, here we are. Yeah. Well, whatever. Sorry, Mike. Uh, located in the bombing metropolis of Wawa, Ontario, Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience since 1945. They have 18 remote outpost camps uh, that help keep the lake pristine and the fishing extraordinary. Uh, because of the fly-in experience, there are plenty of fish in the water for you to, to catch, take home, fry them up, eat them up real good, or maybe toss them back, depending, you know, of, uh, regulations and whatnot. Uh, James, can you tell me what types of fish you would find at Airedale? Um, freshwater. Freshwater fish. Like freshwater salmon? No, just freshwater fish. Okay. No salt fish. No salt lake fish. Sure. Uh, we were looking for brook trout. That's a freshwater lake fish. Lake trout. That's a freshwater Northern fish. Northern pike. That too. Uh, pickerel. Freshwater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got them all. Okay. Yeah. Um, they are obviously closed for the year. There's not a lot of fishing to be done in uh, late November. Um, you know, if you like your ice fishing, Airedale's not necessarily a destination for that. But and I wouldn't go out on the water in November yet, folks. Just uh, no. an aside. No, they have a, a very respectful velvet rope put up across all the shorelines so that way you can't go off of the, onto the water. It's classy. Um, yeah, it's a very classy place. Uh, if you're looking to plan a unique wilderness experience, uh, visit www.outpostcamps.com for more information. Begin planning your trip to Airedale today. They are open next year from May 15th to October 31st. And they do fill up quickly. So it is never too early to begin planning your trip to Airedale, to Wawa, Ontario, to see to see the Werns family. When you said, uh, sorry, Mike, you meant Babcock, right? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he'll be up there this summer. Ooh. Who knows? Count on it. Um, He's got plenty of time to go to Schwartz's for a couple sandwiches. We're going to wrap things up here pretty quick, but uh, we should mention Bobby Ryan. Hmm. Uh, he's off to the Player Assistance Program mm-hmm. uh, through the NHLPA. Um... Surprised for myself, anyway. I, I don't know too much about the dude. I, I, I didn't realize... There was... Bobby Ryan's had a very difficult life off the ice, okay. for sure. Um, just because of his whole family situation when he was a kid. And I'm sure that, you know, he's dealt with a lot of stuff in the past. And, um, you know, it's... it's. I can't imagine anything has been very easy for Bobby Ryan. I'm sure he's got some, some issues that he's got to work through. Regardless, uh, 
I have always been a pretty big Bobby Ryan fan. I don't really know what it is for him, but he's just one of those guys I've always really wished him the best, and um, I want nothing but success for him. It's It's been... Um, I mean, I'm not a Senators fan, but it has been somewhat frustrating to watch him in Ottawa be, you know, a, a, a lesser version of himself for years, and uh, at least on the ice, of course. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted him to go there and have as much success as possible, and he's had flashes of brilliance in a Senators uniform, but, you know, the road for him has not been easy. But the road to the NHL wasn't easy, the road back isn't going to be, uh, you know, the easiest thing, but... Um, I don't think Bobby Ryan has gotten used to doing anything the easy way because I don't think anything has ever come the easy way for Bobby Ryan. So, difficult set of circumstances, a difficult, uh, you know, uh, past for the guy, and I'm hoping that this is the first step into a new chapter for Bobby Ryan. I wish him all the best because he seems like a great dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, We'll have to uh, keep an eye on that, and obviously uh, uh, he's uh, all the best, Mm -hmm. Bobby Ryan. Uh, so you wanted to end off here today with the playoff picture at American Thanksgiving. Yeah, the, well, I wanted the, to talk about it. The there's, fake Thanksgiving, there's, as, yeah, as known up here. Um, well, I, I just look at it as football day. I used to, uh, every year, book off American Thanksgiving, sit at home, watch football, and eat Coney Island uh, all day. I did it one year when I was super hungover. I happened to have the day off. Got to tell you, I book it off every year now. Uh, I do happen to work this year, though. Oh, so, uh, yeah, it's a little frustrating but um yeah no i want to talk about it there's a lot of people who who have the school of thought that if you're in the playoffs at american thanksgiving that you're you know that there's only room for like maybe two or four teams across the playoff picture that aren't going to make the playoffs out of those teams uh i am not a believer in it as much as i think it is just somewhat of a coincidence in recent years but uh yeah Yeah, i want to talk about tell the st louis blues am i right yeah yeah, I guess you are. Uh, we're doing the podcast before American Thanksgiving, so obviously, uh, you know, most of these teams have about two more games to go until they're there. But I figured we would round up. Whatever. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. This is our this is our podcast. This is this yeah, is our t- cutoff date. Sure. Eat your turkey today. Um. So what I wanted to ask you is, of teams currently in a playoff spot mm. uh, in each conference, who do you think is most likely to miss the playoffs? Okay, I'm going to go out west first. Sure. Um, of of the teams currently Hopefully in... they're not affected by the time zone difference right now. They're still sleeping or something. What? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Is this... You think this is a radio show, Brutes? Or... Yeah. Um, of teams in the playoff spot right now that I, th- I think are going to miss it, uh, this is tough. Uh, I'll say that right off the bat because I think we've got some really good teams here. And these are probably the eight teams I would have picked <laughs> to be in the playoffs anyway. But uh, if I had to take one out, it would probably be the Vancouver Canucks. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, great team. Great young team. I just I, I don't know if they've got enough there to keep it up all season long. Sure. I think if they run into a couple you know injuries down the road, maybe you know Demko or Markstrom can't hold the fort. I could see it falling apart is kind of where I'm going with that, uh, even though I, I do think they're a really good team. Yeah. Um, the Jets somewhat concern me right now because they are leaning very heavily on Connor Hellebuck uh, to do a lot of the heavy lifting. The good news has been 
on nights where Connor Hellebuck either isn't playing or has the odd off night at this point, uh, they have managed to score a lot of goals. So they are 14-9-1 and have kind of earned every little bit of that. Um, I am a little bit concerned about them. I am not going to lie to you. I do think that every team that is in a playoff spot in the West is going to make the playoffs. Uh, more so because I don't really see any team outside the playoffs going on much of a charge at this point other than maybe Nashville because they were flying at one point and have been garbage lately. Uh, they might get back to that. Um, but I am a little bit concerned in, in Calgary. I really don't know what to tell you about the Flames. Like, that's just kind of a, a mystery, quite honestly. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people are... There's been those rumors online that uh, the Flames are going to trade Johnny Goudreau. And most of these rumors are coming from, you know, the Sportster or the Sports Site or uh, Fans Are Us, you know, and fans are spelt wrong somehow. Like, this is coming from people that have nothing else to write about other than, like, what would be a nice trade for Johnny Goudreau? People like to make trades up because they find it interesting to see, like, what sure. would be a good fit. And sure, like, you know, fake trades sometimes are interesting. I've done it. I personally find them incredibly infuriating. But, um, you know, if that's what you're into, go right ahead. But, the Flames have done a lot of things to try and make this core work. And it is starting to get to a point where I'm am a little bit concerned about the core. I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying that trading Johnny Goudreau is what they should do. I don't. I still don't think that's what they should do. I would sooner hire another head coach and try to fucking roll the dice on oh. that and maybe make it work. You mean Bill Peters is the problem? No. Well, I, I have heard that the room is potentially tuning Bill Peters out. The issue is that, yeah, they fucking tuned out the last three coaches they had, too, though. So, at what point is this the coaches, and at what point is this maybe the guys in the room are maybe not that well coached, and maybe not that receptive to being coached? But, uh, regardless, it's just, it's such a mystery to me where the Flames are at right now that I don't know that they're going to be able to salvage it this year. Mm. Um... But there is a lot of time left. It's just like, it's hard for me to imagine uh, how this turns around. Other than it's going to be some, it's going to be one of those weird stories. Like it's going to be like, oh, Sean. One morning at practice, Sam Bennett came in wearing nothing but a bathrobe with a boombox on his shoulder, and he was uh, blasting. Uh, you got to fight the power on his boombox, and you know, uh, brought Krispy Kreme donuts for everyone, and that was the turning point in the season. And then they went on a. a 30, 15, and 5 run, and it's like, you know what I mean? It's going to be something where it's like, ah, yeah, you know, the Blues started playing Gloria, and they're like, yeah, that's what turned us around. Yeah, no, it had nothing to do with Baruby and, like, a coach uh, and a goaltender going fucking 931 down the stretch. Yeah, it had nothing to do with that. But you know how all these teams sometimes it's just, like, a weird thing that they credit? For the Flames, I don't know what the fuck is going to turn this team around, but it might just happen, is all I'm saying. Um... I think but it's, they would be, them and Nashville would be the only two teams I could see making a charge and getting into the playoffs. I still find it hard to believe that San Jose is going to make it. And I'm not going to lie to you, I think that if any team is going to miss it, because I feel so strongly about the rest of them other than maybe Winnipeg, I still think that there is a possibility, as, as with anything, that if Connor McDavid gets hurt, that team is fucked. Because uh, without him on the ice, they are probably the worst possession team in the league. And that is saying something. 
because there have been some teams that don't have the puck ever. So I think if uh, they've got enough points banked, I think. But if McDavid misses like eight weeks, I think they're fucked. Even Drysaddle, either probably. Like Drysaddle's, he's on a level this this year. This yeah, what does he have? Like eighty points in twenty nine games or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's gonna hit a hundred by like St. Patty's Day. That's not real. He's gonna hit a hundred by like New Year's. Yeah, I was gonna say St. Patty's Day. It's like yeah, he's probably gonna do it before that, man. That's so much further away than I thought it was. Not gonna lie to you. St. Patty's Day. Yeah, I thought that was coming up pretty quick. No. Yeah. No, nah, it's it's remember month to Christmas. Yeah, I just keep. It's not even December yet, man. I just like drinking. Yeah. Um, I I definitely think Nashville's gonna get there. Uh, I I did not realize the Sharks were eight and two over the last ten. Like, yeah, like been good. good for them. They're they're on a little. They're making people nervous at this mm-hmm. point. But uh, you're right, Calgary. I think you know they've they've played the most games out west. Uh, they're they they got nothing to do sh- to show for it. Uh, their their differential goal differential's been awful. The goaltending's been awful. Uh, there's some talent on the roster. Like, let's let's not kid ourselves. But you got to be way better on the road. Like, you're not going to make the the playoffs winning. You know, 35 percent of your road games or whatever they're at right now. You know, like that. That's just it's just not going to happen. You 50. need to be better. The Flames yeah. are five, nine, and one. Oh, sorry, I read that. I read that was five and ten. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, well, five and ten would also be. I read it as five. Five, four, ten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's not how we do nope. stats in hockey. It is not. But, uh, yeah, Nashville, I think, is the dark horse out west. Okay. To cool. the east. Yep. You know how the sun moves. Sure. To the east. Yeah. Okay. What? What's <laughs> What song was that? <laughs> Who said it was a song? Well, you were singing. It's like a chant. It's like I was summoning. Who, whose chant was that? The sun chant. Is that from like medieval times or something like that? Of course. To the east. <laughs> oh, we, oh, we, oh, oh. It's like a you Monty know. Python skit or something. You know how the Crusades work? They all went to the east. Okay. Um, for the east, who. To the. <laughs> Who do you, uh, who, who's missing the playoffs out, uh, out east, out east, you know, way out there <laughs> way, in the way east, out you in know? The east. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are going to miss the playoffs. Oh shit. Yeah. They're in a playoff yeah. spot. Eh? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a lot more, uh, change to be happened in the east than in the west. Oh. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna say this uh, in the Metro. You've got Washington, the Islanders, and Carolina uh, are in a playoff spot right now. In the Atlantic, you got Boston, Florida, Montreal, and then the wild card spots. You got Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Um, before we even really analyze it, I am going to say that at least two of the teams out of the playoff picture are going to make the playoffs, which is uh, Toronto and Tampa Bay. I would think. Uh, I would be willing to bet that uh, there is another team in the playoffs that crashes and burns so hard uh, that maybe even Buffalo gets in. Uh, and who are you taking out? <laughs> uh, I, I'm thinking Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and... Uh, man, I mean... Yeah. Florida, Montreal, or the Islanders are all juicy options to miss the playoffs. I, I think Montreal is going to make it. Um, I, I have some concerns about the Islanders in Florida, but 
you know, the Islanders do have quite a bit of games banked, and they haven't really played a lot of games. Yeah, so, they're looking you know, real good. Yeah. One well, regulation loss on the road this season. Like you know what's kind of cool is that if you go to Natural Stat Trick and look up their team numbers, that they are not in a positive differential for any sort of possession stat, other than high danger scoring chances for, hmm. uh, in which they are in like the top th- like three teams in the NHL. So I don't really know how to take that, and I'm probably going to start watching more Islanders games because I'm really, really confused. Uh, good for them, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't really like the Islanders, but good for them. Okay. You know, um, it's just like I could see them missing the playoffs because you know, historically speaking, teams that play without the puck a lot of the time don't make the playoffs. And you know, even if they do make the playoffs, there's a good to fair chance they're going to get fucking crushed. But I guess we'll see. Pittsburgh's tough. For I'll me. take Florida. I, I think, think Florida's uh, going to miss. I think they got a lot of problems, but I also think that they've got Sidney Crosby. So it's. But they don't, though. Not currently, but they know, won't for a while either. No, I I thought he was out at least four weeks, but I could be wrong. Oh, let me check. I thought I thought I heard about four games, but I'd... oh, maybe. Uh, uh, he had already oh, right, had sports hernia surgery. Uh. Yeah, uh, four to six weeks, probably closer to six. Okay, yeah. so I'll say that we'll have no playoff representation from this fine state of Pennsylvania then. Okay. Um, oof. You know what? I <laughs> I like Montreal in the playoffs. I, yeah, me I, too. I think there's enough there. No, I, th- I think they'll do it. Um, I can't see a way that the Islanders fuck this up at this point. Now, it's... like, I, I think for sure, to me, Barry Trotz is supposed to be, like, it should be the runaway favorite. Um, for coach of the year, again, at this point. Uh, to me, I feel like Claude Julien would be my number two, though. I think he's done a, a... I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done in Montreal. That is not a particularly good hockey team. Uh, and they play very structured. And he is getting quite a bit out of everyone every night. I, I think he's done a bang-up job in Montreal. I, I, I'm, I'm very impressed. For yeah, a guy that no, I thought... It's... I thought he was one of those old guys that, you know, the game had passed him by when Boston fired him. And he has reinvented himself as a coach. He has been much less of a hard-ass. Seems to be, you know, jolly old St. Nick there around the team. Kind of looks like Santa Claus. Yeah. If Winnie the Pooh played Santa Claus in a movie, that's kind of what he looks like. Kind of kind of looks like a bear. <laughs> All right. Santa Bear, uh, out in Montreal there. Uh, he's doing great. Um, I, I, I like Montreal for the playoffs. I, th- I think Pittsburgh and Philly come out. Um, uh, Florida hangs around. They okay. grab a final wild, wild card spot. Uh, Tampa's a lock. Um, and we're going to have to see what happens between uh, Toronto and Buffalo. Because I'm, I'm, I love me some Chief Keefe, but I'm not sold on this team yet. Two wins does not make a season. So. No, no, I'm like I, I'm not so. I, I agree with you in that sense. Uh, more so, what I think is there are just teams above them that still are are bad and are going to find a way to just be worse than the Leafs, like for the remainder of the season. Yeah, uh, you it's know, very possible. There's, it's very possible that the Leafs like back into the playoffs um, because of you know, I I. I Pittsburgh made the playoffs because of three things, or I'm going to say four things last year, okay? Uh, Sidney Crosby, Phil Kessel, Chris Letang, 
and Matt Murray. And right now, they do not have Phil Kessel. They do not have Sidney Crosby. And they may as well not have Matt Murray. So, it's not looking good. Yeah. Yeah. The one downside for the Leafs at this point is that uh, only Washington has played the same number of games as them. And I don't think Washington's going to be slipping out of the playoffs anytime soon. No. So they have no. a, lot, a lot of ground to make up. They're going to need to lose almost all of their starting lineup in order for things to fall apart. i got to tell you, they might win the cup again. Sure. Yeah. Well, who's who's saying no? Yeah, I'm I'm fine. Yeah. It, with that happening, I like the Caps. Yeah, they're just they're just fine. Cool. Um, Ten two and one on the road. There you go. It's pretty good. Not quite as good as the Islanders. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is lace up a hockey podcast for oh. this week. Okay. Um, I have nothing to plug. I never do. I don't do anything with my life. Um, except this, I guess. I, I work, but you don't need to come see me at work. Please don't come see me at work. You should talk about your work maybe sponsoring us. That's not going to happen. That'd be cool. There'd be no reason for them to do that. No, none at all. Other than just literally a handout. Which I guess they give you enough of, technically. True. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Clomper, Portugal Radio, wherever you get the rest of your podcasts. Uh, I don't really have anything to plug right now. I was going to write a Babcock piece, but the time passed by and I just don't care anymore. Um, you might say that the bad clock ran out on you. I'm James Cole, ESPN. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone!
Feel 